Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. everybody. Hi and welcome to Focus Fox Valley, a Tuesday edition coming at you this Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Thrilled you have joined us as we highlight conversations all about the people, the organizations, the causes, the things that help our community to thrive and you are welcome here. So pull up a seat. So much to get to. It's a jam-packed show coming up. Speaking of thriving, we're going to key you into the Strive to Thrive Week happening with Imagine Fox Cities. Rosangela Burbert will join us, Executive Director with Samaritan. And we are in the middle of Strive to Thrive Week. There are events all week long. We'll tell you more about those. Also on the way here today, United Way Fox Cities and one of their sponsored programs, the Mental Health Navigator Grant. We'll talk more about this recently implemented grant and how it's making huge strides in helping those impacted by mental health crisis. Also today, uh, Harp Gallery, they've been in the area for 36 years, and they specialize in restoration projects. We'll talk more about their furniture, lighting, paintings, the world that they live in, and why they're making space for more of it with a new gallery. So Harp Gallery joining us coming up in hour number two of the show. Right now, though, it's our monthly chat with Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford, who joins us Across the room from me today, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you, Jay. Good to see you. How's your week been going? Fast. Fast. They're going really fast lately. Yes. Well, summer, it's it's inevitable. You blink yeah. and, it, and it passes by. Yeah, and there's just so much going on in the community. Just uh, events and groundbreakings and ribbon cuttings and openings and gatherings and it's just it's a it's a wonderful time in the community really excited so summertime no no pause you just keep rolling with with all the things yeah I mean there's a bit of a reprieve it seems like I mean I haven't really had a normal summer right because I got elected in April of 20 and so it was like pandemic time for the first summer and then sort of pandemic time to this the the second summer so this has been the first closer to normal summer I think yeah. and <laughs> uh yeah it, there was a bit of a reprieve kind of midsummer um uh, vacation times for people I think you know in July and then it's like ramping right back up so August has just been it's been amazing Great. uh and headed into a really busy September. Excellent. Well, we might give a little teaser to what we're working on in September, but a reminder that our Settlers Bank phone lines are open, 920-281-1150. If you'd like to ask a question of Mayor Woodford, he is here for the next half hour. And let's start with something we're actually going to talk about in much more detail uh, in our next segment, but it's Imagine Fox City's Strive to Thrive Week. I know that you are in the know of this. Uh, mm -hmm. So fill us in on, on what you are maybe 
looking to attend or what, where do you stand with Imagine Fox Cities and, yeah. and their mission here in the area? Yeah, well, Imagine Fox Cities, you know, I've talked about this before. This project, I really see it as a gift to uh, community leaders like me because uh, what Imagine Fox Cities is trying to do is gather input uh, and, and really widen the circles of input and engagement in our communities as we work together to try and make the Fox Cities and Appleton uh, a better place for everybody. And uh, so what Strive to Thrive Week is is about highlighting the efforts uh, across our communities and across organizations in the communities as we try to grow that sense of, you know, what it means to call this place home. And uh, so there's so much happening. There's tons of events, uh, an incredible investment of time and energy from uh, community volunteers uh, to make this all happen. And uh, the there are a couple things going on today in Appleton that I'm I'm excited about uh, in particular. Porchapalooza Appleton is going on. This is cool. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, so uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, in the West Appleton neighborhood. This is one of our registered neighborhoods. We have a registered neighborhood program in the city of Appleton. And uh, so West Appleton, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. And uh, Oklahoma Street, uh, between Story and Mason in particular. Uh, so we're really excited about that. Uh, the historic uh, central neighborhood is also hosting a walking tour starting at Arbutus Park uh, at 730. Uh, I grew up in the historic uh, central neighborhood, and so this neighborhood's near and dear to my park. We, uh, My heart, we used to go sledding at Arbutus Park, so just really love that neighborhood and excited for them to to have their neighborhood walk. And uh, then tomorrow, Timber Smith, who's special assistant to the mayor and DEI coordinator, uh, he'll be presenting on belonging, um, on the belonging pillar uh, from 5 to 7.30 at the Building for Kids. Big event at the Building for Kids tomorrow night, uh, 5 to 7.30, so check that out. Pizza and child care for school-aged children provided. And that's right there, the ticket. But he loves pizza. Yes. So. Well, I was going to say the child care is also the <laughs> child ticket. Child care and pizza, <laughs> uh, two things that draw people to events, so check that one out. Um, they're encouraging registration for these events, but it's not required. So, you know, if it works out, show up, uh, check it out. Uh, if you can't make it the whole time, try and stop in. Uh, these neighborhood projects, Porchapalooza, Historic Central Neighborhood Walk, is so important for building community and connection in neighborhoods. So we're really celebrating that. But you can learn more about the, the entire week of events and the Imagine Fox Cities project at imaginefoxcities.com slash thrive. And we'll have more coming up on the Strive to Thrive Week in our next half hour. So don't go anywhere, Yeah, I don't want to steal anyone's don't thunder. Go anywhere. But I know I, you wanted to highlight that today. Yeah, for sure. As well. Another thing, uh, a very exciting development here in Appleton that... People are talking about this, <laughs> and it's the new pickleball courts, Mayor Woodford. Let's talk about this. Uh, yes. a, a very generous gift from um, the, the most lovely Mary Beth Meanhouse, of course. But, I mean, this pickleball is the fastest-growing sport in North America, <laughs> yeah. and we've got some brand-new space to enjoy it. Yes, Appleton is on the pickleball map now. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Um, Mary Beth Meanhouse... Uh, uh, offered to make a, an incredible contribution to the community to support uh, development of the pickleball courts. And uh, we're so excited. We, we had our ribbon cutting uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I drove by the pickleball courts on my way in today, and uh, they're hopping. It's really busy over at the pickleball courts. Uh, so we're, we're just thrilled to have this additional community asset. And 
this is being billed as the largest, and this is the distinction, the largest lighted pickleball complex in Northeast Wisconsin. People want to play at night. Yes, and and our summers are short. You know, our outdoor pickleball season pretty short. So I'm going to make use of as much of the sort of warm and warm-ish times that we have. So the lights are going to help us do that. Uh, just an incredible asset for the community, an amazing contribution by Mary Beth Neenhouse. Um, and yeah, we're just, we're just thrilled. And, and so one of these days uh, we'll have to go over and, and play some pickleball. I agree. Like I said, I, I was telling Mayor Woodford during the break that my only pickleball experience was a, a, a segment in gym class in high school. It was the badminton, badminton pickleball mm-hmm, <laughs> section. Mm-hmm. So I might have to brush up on my skills, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm game, and I'm starting at square one. So <laughs> I, I've got I've I've got no pickleball experience, but uh, definitely uh, excited about it. And uh, yeah, just a great way to get outside, a social activity. Sure. Um, and actually, this was this was one of the first things I got constituent feedback about. Uh, it was right as uh, I was getting started. It was maybe like May of 2020, and so everybody was still pretty much at home. And so it was really weird to see a constituent in City Hall. And now it's it's less weird. There's people around. It's great. Like so much better. But he said, he said, so you're the new mayor. I said, yeah, yeah. And he, he said, well, I, I've got, I got to tell you. I was like, okay, here, here it is. The here first comes, feedback. Right. We need pickleball courts in Appleton. And I said, okay, well, what's pickleball? And then, <laughs> then we kind of went from there. But I'm really, really excited not only to to add pickleball courts, but to do it in a really special way with a community contribution. Uh, so just just a great thing all around. So hope folks can go and take advantage of uh, the pickleball courts. They're over at Tallulah Park. Uh, plenty of parking, and, and uh, yeah, we'll get the lights up. I, I think they're still working on, we've got some supply chain challenges with the lights. So the lights will be coming, but uh, we should have those in uh, before long, and really, really glad to have it. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Let's quick head to the phone lines. A familiar voice calling in. Richard, good Richard. morning. Hello, Mayor Woody and Harris Common. How are you doing, guys? Hey. <laughs> good morning, We're Richard. good. We're good. That's your, your new names, aren't you? That's great. Oh, I just saw Mr. Mayor Woody. It's <laughs> <laughs> your city ordinance. Signs on the curb. I mean, my buddy put a sign on my curb. My lemon and can. I've been in lemon and can all for seven years. Mayor Woody. Yeah. A guy named Mark or something in the city moved my sign the other day. It's yeah. sign regulation curb. Can't put them in sales or for sales on the curb anymore. That's right. And that, you know, actually, Richard, that's been a, a rule for a really long time they in the built, city. But uh, about a year, they finally come out about a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, my property. Yep. We, we started to get a lot more complaints about uh, signs in the terrace. So, yeah, we, we had to. Yeah. I'm going to something that's too, but when you go to crack up, you've got weeds in our yard. There are three houses I know that weeds are in our yard. I can't walk anymore. Remember what he hit by a car? Remember that years ago? Now I got parking you start parking you start. I can't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd be mm-hmm. lemon cans. I had a lemon can when I drop them off, it got nice me. I can't you know, Kathy, how's Kathy by the way? How's Kathy? She's doing good. She's doing great. Doctor one day. She already one day, doctor. Well, make about that. How about the shooting apple? That's crazy how people get, get, get guns down. That's crazy how yeah. shooting that's crazy. Maybe it's just as bad the apple's getting just as bad as stuff. Guns well, you, you know, Richard, we 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 have to be aware that yeah, there, there's a there's a, a prevalence of gun violence in this country, and unfortunately, uh, sometimes that that strikes us close to it home. So it's, yeah, it's really it, it means we got a lot of work to do uh, as as communities to be sa- continue to be safe places. But you know, we we continue to work really hard to be a safe community, uh-huh. and I'm glad we are. But uh, 
Yeah, you're right. It's a scary thing. It's going really weird. weird. Yeah. Be safe. Make sure we cut down these yards around here. Deep here, my sign. I need a candle, big candle. I'm going to candle on here. What's doing here with me? My Woody. Howdy's coming. Hey, guys, doing. Take care. I got to go. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we'll take a little break. Phone lines are open, 920-281-1150, and we'll be back with more after this. With more of Focus Fox Valley on WHBY, Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford is my guest, taking you to the bottom of the hour where we will then transition to Imagine Fox Cities and this week's Strive to Thrive Week. Mayor Woodford, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to to you. To uh, me I, and you. I I uh, I when you said when you said Mayor Woodford taking us to the bottom, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure where you were going with that. So oh, no. just to the bottom of the hour. Bottom of the just hour. to the bottom, bottom of the hour. Of the hour. Okay, hour. good. Let's talk a little bit about what uh, City Council has been mm-hmm. discussing in recent weeks. Uh, a couple things. One being um, a street terrace policy downtown. Mm -hmm. Fill us in on what this is and what's being discussed. So there was a resolution submitted by Alders. And real quick, uh, the legislative process in the city of Appleton typically kicks off with a resolution. So this is a Alder putting in a document. You might have heard like a whereas, blah, 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 whereas, blah, 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 whereas, blah, blah, blah. I love the old language. And then the now therefore be it resolved. So um, the. The, and Alder submitted a resolution to take a look at our uh, street terrace policy. Now, when we talk about the street terrace, we're talking about that strip of grass bet- typically between the sidewalk and the curb. And that's public right of way. That's public property. Um, so even though we cut the grass on on that, you know, at our in our homes, uh, that's public property. And we refer to that as the terrace. What this resolution is seeking to do is relax the restrictions on homeowners using those terraces for planting, Um, planting sort of ornamental stuff uh, in the terrace. Because right now uh, the circumstances are pretty limited when the city will allow that to happen, when the ordinances allow for that. And so there's a lot to work through. The committee committee has a lot of work to do. Uh, Right now staff has been in the process of reviewing. Uh, And while there's a lot of potential upside uh, in terms of you know, allowing plantings in those terraces, um, potential benefits to the community. There's also some details we need to work out, uh, whether we're talking about snow removal or maintenance of infrastructure. There's a lot of infrastructure underneath that right away, water infrastructure, uh, data lines for private data companies. Um, so there's a lot to think about below the surface, but then we talk about snow removal and the snow getting plowed up onto those terraces. Also, leaf collection. The city's in the mm-hmm. process of converting to a new leaf collection uh, process. We'll be moving to using vacuum trucks instead of 
the old way of uh, putting all the leaves in the street and then coming through and scooping them up with big trucks. So that's going to be a change that we have to think about. So lots to work through. Staff's doing some research. Committee will be having conversations about that. And as always, there will be opportunities for public input along the way. So as folks are following this and, and curious, talk to your alder, ask questions. But also please come give public comment or send a note to the council uh, to let them know what you think about this as as those uh, suggestions make their way through. It sounds very nuanced. It, it could be as is. simple as wanting to put some wildflowers yeah. in that space, but there could also be people wanting to plant a tree perhaps yeah. in that space. And I can see where those those layers come into play. Yeah, there's a lot to work out. And so that's what this process is about. Oftentimes, you know, we think about the legislative process as the sort of like, okay, we're going to draw the battle lines and one side's going to fight the other side. And, you know, it's it's either or and it's black or white. But when we really drill down on it on, on most issues, there's a lot of nuance. There's there's a lot to think through. And there might be ways to accomplish the underlying goals that um, make this work a, a little bit for everybody. So uh, that's the work that's happening right now. Council's engaged with that, staff's engaged, and we'll, we'll see where that comes out. All right, we'll keep you updated, listeners. Um, speaking of downtown area, a, a little extra lighting perhaps being proposed. Appleton Downtown Incorporated looking to install some Edison light bulbs. Very cool looking, yeah. very trendy. Tell us about this and what why City Council is involved. So um, just for listeners, if you don't know what the what we're talking about with Edison light bulbs, um, you might have seen these, uh, the style we're talking about, like on a patio at a restaurant uh, or in someone's hanging backyard, bulbs. hanging yeah. bulbs uh, from, uh, from, from wire, sort of a summer, uh, almost like Christmas light. But um, much bigger than a Christmas light. A little light. bit bigger, yeah. right. And so, uh, so, so. Appleton Downtown Inc. is always looking for ways to improve the look and feel of downtown. And so uh, this idea came out of a conversation I was having with uh, Jennifer Steph- Stephanie, the uh, the leader of Appleton Downtown Incorporated. And uh, they're, they're really excited about the possibility. Um, we already have these wires running for the angels that go up sure. um, uh, around the time of the Christmas parade. But those wires just sit then the rest of the summer. So the idea that uh, th- that they have is to hang the hang these lights from uh, from those wires, make use of those wires and the power infrastructure that's already there. Uh, spruce up downtown. We have a long history downtown of uh, lights. Uh, there there was a there was a tradition for for many many years in the earlier twentieth century uh, of of actually having lights small light bulbs, Edison bulbs, all the way downtown, uh, really? pretty dramatically lit. There's some cool old photos you can see at uh, Appleton Historical Society, for example. Um, so it's a, it's a fun idea. We'll see what uh, what comes of it. They're, they're working out details, committees talking through it um, because it would be in the right of way and using city infrastructure. So lots, again, nuanced details, but... Uh, a cool idea, and we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what council thinks. Very cool. You know, every city kind of has their own thing. I think of actually Wausau. They've got these hanging umbrellas yeah. that they they put up in their downtown area. And every every city, I'm sure, has their own mm-hmm. little little quirks and and things that they add. Would be cool to kind of add that historical detail. Uh, and Christine Williams is on the show next week with the Appleton Historical Society. And I might she have could to tell ask you all about, about Edison yeah. bulbs because we actually we've got Appleton has a pretty special relationship uh, when it comes to electric light in general yes, um, yes. we could we could spend another hour George on Schrader with his Hearthstone was just on yesterday okay so did, did we, he talk <laughs> about all the fixtures in Hearthstone all the light okay okay <laughs> so you everybody's already gotten that but 
But anyway, yeah, we've got a we've got a really cool history with with electric light in the city, and so if uh, if we can figure out the details, I think this would be a nice addition. Excellent. Well, we are um, unfortunately out of time for today, but right. I've got marked down to discuss with you leaf collection next time because I know that is always <laughs> yeah. a, a big uh, big topic of discussion here on this program, and I think we're also going to discuss. Richard got us sparking conversation about sign ordinances. We do have an election coming up yeah. in November, so we'll discuss those things and a few others uh, next month. Yeah. We'll We'll come back to ARPA to uh, mm-hmm. just 30 seconds on that. Yes, uh, count, uh, Finance Committee just approved a recommendation for a consultant to help us manage those funds. Uh, that goes on to council at their next council meeting. So uh, by the next time we meet, hopefully we've got a consultant on board and making some headway on allocating funds. But uh, that I just want to make sure we work no, that No, that's in. great. More to yeah. come. More All to right. come. Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford keying us in to what's happening in the city of Appleton. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a short break. When we come back, more on... Imagine Fox City's Strive to Thrive Week and the events happening all week long. We'll get you those details after today's Garden Bite. Once again, welcome back to Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. Our thanks to Sturdivant and Associates for their support of Focus Fox Valley. You'll find Eric and Carl and the team of Sturdivant and Associates at 500 North Commercial Street in Nina in that old train depot. They're ready to help you out in the world of Medicare or Medicaid. Call 920-969-1956 for some free advice. Well, I've mentioned this many times on the show and we've been connecting with Imagine Fox Cities over the past several months but the week is here the big strive to thrive week is here there are so many events and activities happening all week long to help you understand more of the needs of our community and joining us in the studio today is Rosangela Berbert who wears two hats uh, many hats but one other hat that she wears is part of the Imagine Fox Cities team and she joins us here across the, across the way hello Rosangela Hi, Haley. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Well, we crossed paths yesterday at the uh, Strive to Thrive kickoff event. Just Mm -hmm. amazing. Yes. Amazing. Very exciting to see all coming together now, so many months in planning, and to see it come together and begin to bubble to the surface. I am very curious to to begin to hear from the community how how people are getting engaged. Mm. Uh, that's what's going to make the difference. Absolutely. Well, you know, your day job is executive director at Samaritan, uh, dedicated to mental health and helping so many people navigate uh, those challenges as well. But mm-hmm. you are part of Imagine Fox Cities and, and the team that has been curated to c- connect to our community. Tell us how you became part of the Imagine Fox Cities team and and what your experience has been with the initiative so far. Sure. Uh, I first became acquainted with Imagine Fox Cities in 2009, uh, before 2019, actually, when they were um, doing their listening sessions and surveying the community to identify a direction, right? And then in 2019, there was a, a significantly large summit, a convening of of people interested in, in making our community better 
improving the quality of our places, improving the quality of our lives here in the Fox Cities. Uh, so that's how I became acquainted with it and eager to see how it was going to evolve. And of course, the pandemic put a little hold on that, but I was excited to see um, last year another survey coming through. And, and when there was an opportunity to bring together some folks to work with the data and um, to begin to think what we can do together with it, um, they invited me because Samaritan, our mission is to connect mind, body, and spirit so individuals, families, organizations, and the whole community thrives. So it became kind of a natural connection there, looking for ways to bring our resources together, bringing our assets, bring our dreams and our visions together so ultimately our community really thrives together. Mm. Mental health so important. We've talked about this together over the years, uh, especially through the pandemic. I'm so grateful for your insight mm -hmm. in that per capacity. How does mental health fit into Imagine Fox Cities even deeper? Um, and especially the, the last survey that was done, which centers around belonging. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I was very, um, I, I'm, I was not impressed. I, I felt affirmed when that survey showed the data, the results that it showed that we have many people in our, in our community, as, as well as we continue to see in national information sources and so on, that many people are still languishing. Many people are failing to thrive, kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it, it's because we are struggling with anxiety, a lot of fears, things that we have spoken about before. But mostly, I think we need to pay attention to that aspect of social connection and to that aspect of helping, um, uh, helping us understand where we belong, right? Uh, what is my place? What is my role? What, I what is the difference that I make being where I am? So living here in the Fox Cities, right? Where do I belong? I know I belong in, in the, the mental health world, and I connect with uh, many people, partnering initiatives and so on. But there's so many, there's so many other groups out there that may not feel that strong sense of belonging. The data showed us that uh, there are large swaths of our population who are, who are struggling with this, right? Uh, if a, a good sign of mental wellness is to have, um, comes from having access to outdoors, and then the data shows us that there is a segment of the population that doesn't have equal access to it or that they don't feel like they connect with the community. They don't belong here either because they look different, because they work different, because they love different. Um, all of this contributes to that sense of languishing or that sense of failing mm. uh, to thrive. And... Um, it's impossible to look at that picture and not think about how that is impacting a person's mental health. So that was pretty much a natural connection there. Absolutely. I appreciate you you breaking that down for us. And something I think for all of us to think about, um, especially this week, but beyond when we hopefully uh, put boots to the ground and, and get some work done in our community as well. I would love to ask, though, about uh, Strive to Thrive Week. And we learned about the living vision yesterday. And I wanted to share this with our listeners, if, if we could. So imagine Fox Cities, uh, their living vision is uh, the Fox Cities as a place where kids get off too strong 
strong starts and onto a positive life, where we have an economy that works for everyone, where shared spaces and a rich cultural environment connect us, and where we all belong. So when you hear that living vision, Rosangela, what comes to mind for you? Uh, to me, that is that is bringing together all the, the good that we want for all of us. And also, I think it's a very ambitious vision, right? Certainly not a vision that can be realized with a small group of people working. This is the time when we really need to think of our community as a living, breathing organism working together, right? Many times we, I, I am in, in, in other collaboratives, collaborations, partners, and I look around the rooms and it's very often the same folks. The, the community leaders, the, the nonprofit leaders, the funders, and so on. And for this initiative, I think it's not going to be enough just us around the table. We need the community to really rally with us, right? We need to listen from every community member as much as possible. What is that that is lacking? What is that that we are doing well? What is helping? What is hindering? And what each one of us can do to better this, to welcome people who are different than us, to create a path for our kids to succeed, right? They say that it takes a village to raise mm. kids. Mm -hmm. It takes a village to make, to imagine a community that thrives. I think if our listeners are, are listening to this today and going, okay, I, I would like to be part of this, but I have no idea where to start. I don't have a lot of the information in front of me. Well, Hang on, because this week is dedicated to getting you those tools. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, more on the events happening this week that will key you into our community more and to Strive to Thrive Week as well. So stick with us. More to come right here on WHBY. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley here on WHBY. We're learning more about Imagine Fox City's Strive to Thrive Week with Rosangela Burbert, Executive Director at Samaritan, but also part of the Imagine Fox Cities team. Would that be correct? Yeah. 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 A group of people who, who want to rally behind this vision. So great team. Love it. Well, we have a whole week of events, uh, and they're centering around those these four pillars that we've mentioned that are part of the living vision, of course. So a strong start for kids, an economy for all, places that connect us, and where all belong. Mm -hmm. So tell us about uh, some of the presentations and events happening this week and the work that was is behind them as well. Yes. So the idea of having a, a, a week long event instead of a day was to try to bring more and more people along with this. And some of these events, they were already planned. They were already part of the community and in, in very much in line with the Imagine Fox City's philosophy, I would say. It's, it's to bring what already exists, coalesce, and, and strengthen it. So today, for example, for people who don't have their full schedules already booked, but there's a great opportunity, uh, 2.30 to 4 o'clock at Bubbles Nature Center. It's inclusion in the outdoors. As I mentioned earlier, 
um, utilization of the outdoors as a resource for rejuvenation, for recharging, is not something that all members of our community utilize. So this is an opportunity to come and try it. Um, LGBTQ community members, BIPOC community members, strongly encouraged to, to come and join us, but anyone come and enjoy the outdoors together. Then later tonight, we have cycling without age. So bridging the age groups here, another fun outdoor ex uh, experience. And then some music with the Porcha Palooza here in Appleton and uh, a neighborhood walking tour. So today it's kind of focused on outdoors as a great resource for us to, to re-energize ourselves. Um, then tomorrow, and if I keep talking too much, Haley, just interrupt me. Keep but rolling through, Rosangela. Yes. We love it. <laughs> All right. So tomorrow we're going to have some focus on the wealth gap. Um, I, I imagine most people in the community are aware that wealth in, a, in, in this country is not distributed equally. And in our community, that's not different. So there's going to be some conversations tomorrow at the Riverview Gardens from 9 to 9.30. And then continuing at the Riverview Gardens, um, there's a session on pillar path making, um, addressing economy for all. So anyone interested in this aspect of our community well-being, financial well-being, is invited to come. Then we have some uh, other activities through the day, the Tribal Elder Box Service Program from 1130 to through, through, through 2.30 at Feeding America. Well, and that's, and that's kind of a little volunteer work. You're packing boxes, correct? Yes, yes. So that's the kind of activity that anyone who has time can drop by and get your hands on the work that's going to benefit a group of our community. Um, Well-being and the economy continues from 11 to 1.30 in a Zoom session, and people can get that information in the website. And then mid-afternoon, Samaritan is going to be hosting a few sessions or conversations there in, uh, around mental wellness. Um, so it's mental health awareness in our community, starting with youth mental wellness, then adult mental wellness and care. And we're going to close the, the session, the two-hour session, talking about mental wellness in the workplace, mm. which is extremely important. too. And then later on, we have some other game activities and um, a few other activities with kids and all of that emphasizing that strong sense of belonging. And I really encourage folks to go to the website at imaginefoxcities.com slash thrive and browse through um, the many opportunities between today and tomorrow. And it goes on Thursday and Fridays with some activities too. Yeah, and and these they they do encourage registration, but uh, if you do happen to just pop in, that's okay too. Yes, uh, and the the registrations are encouraged for um, opportunities that have a little more limited space, like the mental health session tomorrow afternoon. We are limited to fifty people, and I think I heard we were up thirties already. So if People are interested in any of these opportunities. Again, going to the website, you can browse through the activities, find the locations. Um, most of these activities are totally free. And um, we would like to engage as many people from the community as possible. Come and learn. 
come and learn. So once Drive to Thrive Week has has ended, uh, and we wish it would never end because it's such important information being shared, but what happens next or what will Imagine Fox City's role be moving forward once uh, Strive to Thrive Week is completed? That's an excellent question, Haley, because um, I, I have been asked this question several times. So what's Imagine Fox Cities? Is that a nonprofit organization? It's a service organization. It's this or that. The, the essence of it is that the Imagine Fox Cities is an in- initiative that really coalesces all the strengths in our community, coalescing the resources in our community to help our community take on the charge of really build upon, building upon this vision and then um, looking into policies, looking into events, looking into services that may be available or may need to be developed, looking into budgeting, like city budget, right, county budgets, um, schools, would learn much from this to then develop some initiatives in, into the school districts, uh, faith communities, how faith communities can align their, their mission, their local mission, with this larger vision of really promoting um, the well-being of our, our, our kids so they grow strong, of, of having a, an economy that works for everyone and that we can share spaces and the rich cultural resources we have and all mm. together provide opportunities for belonging. I think that if, if listeners are, are thinking of their own communities and 21 communities were mentioned yesterday yeah. in our Fox Cities area, if you're thinking of your own community, maybe you'll consider sending this to your 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 local representatives, your local mm-hmm. community leaders saying, have you heard of Imagine Fox Cities? Do you plan on attending this? Have you looked into this? Because that's something I think that helps move this and propel this forward. Um, it takes all of us, but this is a great place to start. We need to get everybody involved and uh, attending these sessions to to learn more and to do more. I think, Absolutely. And and I would expand even the list that you, you, you started there. I would say the faith leaders Mm. I would say your supervisor at work, the owner of the business you work at, right? Uh, people may say, ah, no, but I don't have leadership. I'm not a leader. I, I, I challenge that. Anyone who sees something that, that needs to be done and has an energy towards that can become a leader. You know, you don't necessarily need to have a title, Right. But anyone who takes charge of of moving something in a certain direction, to me, that's exercising leadership. Mm. It's an important week. I hope our listeners consider getting connected to this and attending some of these amazing events. Uh, you can visit imaginefoxcities.com slash thrive. All the details are shared. All of the timings, the locations, the registration buttons, everything is on the Imagine Fox Cities website. Rosangela Berbert, thank you for being here and helping us uh, get the word out. My pleasure. My pleasure. Last thing, Instagram. Follow. Follow Imagine Fox Cities. Every day, lots of resources coming through. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Rosangela. With that, we'll take a little break and come back with more Focus Fox Valley in our number two.
Good afternoon and welcome back for our number two of Focus Fox Valley. I'm Haley Tenpass with you from the Myron Construction Studios of WHBY. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. And of course, we're highlighting organizations, people, causes, issues, everything that impacts the Fox Valley. You can hear it right here on WHBY and on Focus Fox Valley. Pull up a seat. You are welcome. Our fun continues in the second hour of the show. Well, every month we connect with United Way Fox Cities and we look to highlight a United Way Fox Cities supported program. Today's in, today's uh, focus is on health. And we know that United Way Fox Cities mission is to build stronger, more caring communities. They do that by focusing on health, education and financial stability. Now, United Way has a lot of community partners in the world of mental health, including NEW Mental Health Connection, and they are an invaluable leader in providing backbone support continuously to help improve upon our community's mental health systems of care. We're going to highlight today a grant that is supported by United Way Fox Cities. It's called the Mental Health Navigator, and we're bringing in some voices that are connected directly to this program and to this grant as well. So let's welcome them in. First joining us on our Settlers Bank phone line is Sarah Bassing Sutton, a community suicide prevention coordinator with NEW Mental Health Connection. Sarah, good afternoon. Welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Haley. Thanks for having me. We also have on the line here today, Brittany Kavashinsky, a mental health navigator with VPI Incorporated. Brittany, good afternoon. Hello to you. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you both and very excited to learn more about your work and your organizations as well. So maybe let's just start there with some uh, just some basic information about who you are and and what your organizations do. Sarah, I'll start with you on this one. Sure. Uh, So I uh, am the Community Suicide Prevention Coordinator with the Northeast Wisconsin Mental Health Connection. And the connection is, as you mentioned, a backbone agency uh, that leads a coalition of diverse stakeholders to champion mental health for everyone in the Fox Valley uh, by addressing barriers, challenges, um, challenging systems, and creating solutions to prioritize care and support. So we don't do any direct care, but we help to kind of sit at that higher level and um, imagine and dream about how our systems might work better together and improve for our consumers and everyone living in the Tri-County. Fantastic. Brittany, you are with Valley Packaging Industries, or VPI. Tell us a little bit about your role as a mental health navigator. Yeah, so my role as a mental health navigator, um, I help find and connect people to mental health care in the Fox Valley. This could look like making appointments, navigating health insurance, Um, finding transportation, and gaining peer support in the community. Excellent. So I'm curious if your roles have connected or how they've connected in the past. Anyone want to take the lead on this one and and how you've connected over the years? Sure. I'm happy to start off that conversation. Um, So in the early uh, parts of the pandemic, uh, the Project Zero team uh, got together with law enforcement to really get a better handle on what was happening with our community mental health as the pandemic was setting in. And what we realized was that uh, calls to law enforcement for uh, mental health or welfare checks were increasing. And in our partnership with law enforcement, we were also able to learn 
that oftentimes people were not getting connected to the mental health system of care when they were interfacing with law enforcement, primarily because that's not their job and their focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so in recognizing the need uh, to help individuals who were interfacing with law enforcement uh, in need of mental health help, uh, we reached out to Valley Packaging, who does a number of community-related case management projects, um, to see if this would be um, a pilot that they would be interested in collaborating with us on. And that's kind of how it all got started. Um, And I think we launched the project in June of 2021. Wow. I, I read here, yeah. I'm reading here that it launched in 21 and data was tracked through December of 2021. Brittany, is that kind of where you came into play or how are you connected to uh, the Mental Health Navigator pilot? Yeah, so I actually started um, in mid-June of this year. Um, but we do collect a lot of data. Um, and I'll say since the beginning of this program began, we've had over 200 referrals. Um, Of of those 200 referrals, we've been able to successfully connect over half to mental health care. Um, These are people who maybe wouldn't have been connected previously. It's an incredibly rewarding position. Um, Over the summer since I've been here, we've had a connection close to 80%. So it's, it's been a really wonderful program to be a part of. Wow. I want to make sure our listeners really understand, you know, kind of what happens when a call is made. Sarah, are you able to kind of walk us through, um, I guess, the the steps that are then taken to make sure a person perhaps going through a mental health crisis is connected to the right organization or the right person? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I want to say that if somebody is in a an acute mental health crisis, um, calling the county crisis number, um, for Outagamie County, um, there's a number for Winnebago and Calumet. Each has a, a crisis number. So if you're in acute crisis, those would be the numbers to call. And the way that referrals are made to the mental health navigator, initially, were only through law enforcement. So when law enforcement uh, would be sent out on a call um, and they recognize that that individual had some mental health needs, they would then get verbal permission from the individual to make a referral to the mental health navigator And then the law enforcement officer would call the mental health navigator and provide um, name, contact information so that uh, Brittany um, or the mental health navigator can then reach out to that individual on that same business day or the very next day. Um, And since our beginning, uh, we have added additional partners that are able to make referrals to the mental health navigator um, in addition to uh, law enforcement. Wow. And like you mentioned, Brittany, with 200 plus referrals made, you said in what, the last year, those are all calls that are not being made out to law enforcement, correct? Correct. Yeah. So we we are accepting calls from uh, 211, local law enforcement, uh, Harbor House, Christine Ann, and the Ascension Emergency Department currently. Um, but yeah, those are calls that um, aren't continuously going through the system. Wow. I would imagine this is a huge impact, and uh, the hope is to bring this and continue this into 2022 and beyond. Is that correct, Sarah? Yep. So this um, pilot is funded all the way through 2022, and um, the data that we're currently collecting and the partnerships um, are demonstrating that this is definitely a needed position. So we are currently working on um, work the funding for continuing this position into uh, the years to come. 
Um, and one other thing I just want to make sure that we are clear with the listeners about is that this position is a professionally facing position. Um, so it's not accessible just by the general public. So um, I, I just want to make sure that we share that too. Absolutely. We do need to take a short little break, but when we come back, how United Way Fox Cities kind of fits into this and how this grant is making help possible throughout the area. So stick with us. We're talking further about the Mental Health Navigator grant through United Way Fox Cities, and we'll have more on this after this on WHBY. Once again, welcome back to Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. We're learning more about the Crisis to Care Mental Health Navigator Pilot. It's a collaboration between the NEW or Northeast Wisconsin Mental Health Connection and Valley Packaging Industries. And it was funded by a grant through United Way Fox Cities. Joining us on our Settlers Bank phone lines today, Sarah Bassing Sutton, Community Suicide Prevention Coordinator with Northeast Wisconsin Mental Health Connection, and Brittany Kabashinsky, a mental health navigator with Valley Packaging. Incorporated, And I, I would love to hear further about um, what it means to be supported through the work of United Way Fox Cities. Uh, Sarah, would you like to uh, maybe start on this one and, and Brittany can add her thoughts as well? Sure. United Way has been an amazing partner in funding the uh, implementation of a number of pilots that the connection is a part of, including the mental health navigator pilot. Um, and the truth is we wouldn't be able to Uh, implement these innovative opportunities without the help of the financial support from United Way. Um, And, you know, Brittany's position uh, was started by a six-month part-time pilot, and in 2022, it turned into um, a full-time year-long pilot. So um, it's absolutely uh, critical having the resources of United Way Fox Cities to support these initiatives. Yeah, Brittany, you have a, a full-time job because of this. What, what's your feedback on, on, the, on, the, on this fact? Yeah, uh, so VPI has had a strong relationship with United Way for a long time and been in multiple different programs. Um, and it's just amazing to see um, how a community of people can come together and create resources like this. Um, I'm always amazed by what we're able to create and um develop for our community and United Way has just been an amazing part of that. Wow. I am grateful for that feedback from the both of you. Brittany, I want to ask a little bit further, though, about your role. And I would imagine at times, is it sometimes a, 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 a stressful role to be in? I mean, sometimes people calling, of course, during really challenging times. How do you kind of walk them through and, and get them the help that they need? Yeah, so I mean, most of the time when I'm getting calls from people, they're looking for help, they're looking for counseling, they're lost, they're confused. Um, Not only is the mental health aspect of things difficult to navigate, but just health insurance and um, making all of it make sense and click. So for me, um, being able to empathize with those people and coming from a place of uh, care is really a big part of what I do. And I've found that um, we're able to, you know, talk people through getting care. Sometimes these people that are going in and out of the law enforcement system that never really thought that maybe they need help 
suddenly decide, you know, I think counseling, um, going to a doctor or something like that is, is something I could see myself doing in the future. And to be able to see those results and to see that success, it's incredibly rewarding. Wow. Uh, Sarah, anything to add to that um, and how Northeast Wisconsin mental health or the connection kind of plays a role in that, too? Um, You know, I think that, you know, obviously, uh, Brittany is on the front lines connecting with folks and making the magic happen. And, you know, behind the scenes, uh, we are collecting data to analyze the gaps in our system to see who's still falling through the cracks. Um, and to present and give that information back to community so that um, our systems of care can ultimately improve. Um, you know, I think that the work that Brittany does in helping individuals navigate insurance and the mental health system of care is invaluable. I know that that system is hard to navigate for myself on a good day. Right. Um, and so when you're struggling with a mental health condition and trying to sort out all of the pieces to get a good fit. It can be challenging. And Brittany's help walks with people through completed appointments, three of them. Um, She has the ability to help out with transportation to and from uh, mental health appointments that she helps to set up. And, you know, I think that, again, without the support of United Way to be able to offer this to our community, um, there would be a number of people who would not be getting the services that they need. So it's a it's good work, and I'm and I'm grateful to have the opportunity. Hmm. I I, uh, I echo that. It's great work, and again, with 200 plus referrals in in the past year, clearly uh, a need is there for our community. This program, though, expanded into uh, through 2022, uh, and and is there hope to continue it into 2023? Absolutely, we're in conversation right now with. Um, VPI as well as funders um, to help build capacity uh, so that this has a permanent home. And like I said, the data we're collecting definitely shows the need. Um, And we have had countless uh, positive uh, feedback from law enforcement as well as consumers about the services that are being provided. Mm -hmm. So we're actively seeking that out too. And, And there are a number of folks who, because they are connected to the navigator, are no longer showing up on police radar, um, so to speak. And so, you know, we take that as a really good sign that people are getting uh, the right level of care and the care that they need um, to help them uh, have a better quality of life. Wow. It's such critical work. Um, And we're running out of time, but I want to make sure our listeners know how to connect uh, with your organization, Sarah, or to connect uh, to a navigator as well, Brittany, if needed. Um, So how do we how do we learn more first and foremost about Northeast Wisconsin Mental Health Connection? Sure. Um, You can go to our website, newmentalhealthconnection.org, or feel free to give me a call at 920-420-4903. And I'll let Brittany handle the next one. Yeah, so um, our website is www.vpiwi.org. And in order to make a referral, right now I'm working with, um, like I said previously, law enforcement, 211, um, Ascension ED, and um, Harbor House and Christine Ann. So um, really to get a hold of me right now, um, Sarah, if you want to kind of tag along with this, you could contact 211 if you did need assistance um, and absolutely yeah, our website as well. Yeah. Or if you have questions about the Mental Health Navigator Pilot, I'm happy to field those questions as well. For sure. 
Well, my thanks to the both of you for helping us understand more about this, again, critical program um, and the need for it in our community. And uh, we'll have to keep our listeners updated. Um, My personal hope that it continues into 2023. Clearly, the need is there and uh, grateful for both of you for helping to be part of this and make it happen. So thanks again for your time. It's been wonderful talking with you both. Thanks so much, Haley. Sarah Bassing Sutton and Brittany Kabashinsky here sharing more about, again, that Crisis to Care Mental Health Navigator pilot, which is funded partially through United Way Fox Cities. All right, with that, we'll take a break. Your first alert forecast is coming up next on WHBY. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Focus Box Valley on WHBY. We're connecting with a business that's been around for more than three decades, Harp Gallery. They specialize in restoration. They are experts in bringing paintings and furniture back to life. We've got a couple cool connections, too, to the Hollywood scene. Uh, We are so excited to welcome here in our settlers uh, in the Myron Construction Studios, Ken Melchert and John Melchert with Harp Gallery. Gentlemen... Good afternoon. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you both. Uh, a really exciting thing happening, though, for those who are, are, are lovers of Harp Gallery. You're getting a new space. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. But for people who are perhaps learning about you for the first time, uh, Ken, tell us a little bit about Harp Gallery and uh, your, your almost 37 years here in the Fox Valley. Yeah, that's right. 37 years ago, we opened across from the hotel in downtown Appleton. And then 30 years ago, we did our last move. We moved to our Highway 41 location, which has served us very well. And now we are moving to a new location in Kokona. It's on Highway 41 at Exit J, and it's a a fabulous marble and granite showroom, and we're very excited. And this Thursday is our grand opening from 12 to 7. The space looks stunning. I've seen some pictures online. Um, and we'll get to why you need more space. But I, I am curious, too, about kind of what you specialize in. When you say restoring experts, what does that mean, John? So what we do is different from a lot of antique stores in that everything that leaves our gallery has been restored by a team of artisans and is ready to be used in somebody's home. So we have guys with backgrounds in arts and airplane fabrication and car restoration, all sorts of stuff. 
and they are carpenters, they are upholsters, they are finishers, and they just bring stuff back to life and get it ready for a whole new generation. Wow. So where are you finding the stuff? I'm curious. Are you dumpster diving? Are you at estate sales? Do people bring you things? How do you find these treasures? Well, it's a little bit of all of that, but we have to be careful to choose things that are really worth the work that these Uh. guys put into it. So although tons of stuff comes to us every day locally, we have to journey all over the Midwest and sometimes even the country to find stuff that's worth putting all this work into. Interesting. We have buyers in Europe and we get things from the Orient. We get fabulous pieces from all over. We probably reject about 80% of what people send us pictures of because we're fussy and our customers are fussy and they care. Otherwise, you know, these these. Pieces from the past, they're usually better made than new, and they were intended to be restored. They weren't intended to go to a landfill like new, like new furniture or a cell phone. They were intended to be restored and treasured for a century or so or more. Wow. Yeah, you described it uh, via email as a lost art. <laughs> it really is. And, you know, our, our team has to use a lot of techniques that are hundreds of years old because working with old furniture, you can't just use all new tools and, you know, big equipment and stuff like that, sometimes it takes attention to detail and very specific touch. Wow. I know you also specialize in, in artwork and paintings. That's always kind of fascinated me. Can you speak a little bit to maybe some of the restoration work you've done in, in art? Well, sculpture often is broken. That's ah, a big one. Stone yeah. arms fall off of stuff or, you know, the finish wears off of metal. So we bring things back to life in that way. But also paintings get dirty over time and the varnish on the top of them sort of you know, needs attention. And so we clean them and we touch up the paint. We can restore canvases. We we make moldings to attach to the edge of, you know, frames where it's come off and we bring things back to sort of a new state. Fantastic. You need to remember even Rembrandt paintings have been refinished dozens of times. The varnish is supposed to protect the oil paintings and then be replaced when it's worn out, just like on furniture. Have you ever found a painting hidden underneath another painting in that process? I'm just curious. Yes, often painters use the same canvases because they were expensive and at one point in time they were sort of hard to make. So often as you're cleaning a painting, if you go a little too aggressively, you can find something underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Wow, wow, this is very cool. Well, again, you're you're moving to a new space. Uh, Did you get you know, were you were you tired of the old space or why why move to a new space? I'm just curious. Well, during COVID, we were a non-essential business and all of our customers had to come through us online. So we really pursued that and we ended up sending stuff all over the country even more. And we found ourselves in a position where we just needed a lot more warehouse space. We needed load-in docks and we needed more space for more people to work in our shops. So we were looking around for buildings that would sort of suit our purpose. And you settled on uh, this new location uh, in the Kakana area. That's right. Kakana is an extremely friendly environment for small businesses, and that's been a great fit for us. But this building is about one and a half times the size of our old ones, and we got a new chance to reevaluate our process and design a whole new layout for how things work inside. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk more about that in just a bit, so please stick with us. We're learning more about Harp Gallery here today, and they've got uh, a big day coming up on Thursday. We'll tell you more about that, get you those details in just a bit. You're listening to WHBY.
Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. We're talking with Ken and John Meltert here today with Harp Gallery. They're moving to a new space. We're going to tell you about that grand opening in just a bit. But a fun fact caught my attention. Actually, Pulse, young professionals sharing this today. But restorations that you have done have been seen in the Hollywood scene. A little show called Mad Men, Gilded Age, Disney. Tell us about these connections. Very cool. So often when the set designers need very specific pieces, they have to look far and wide to find this stuff. So often we get reached out to by production companies just to see if we have something that might fit their set. And it takes a lot of back and forth to make things work. They can be very pushy people because they got timelines and everything to meet. But it's a lot of fun to be featured on those shows. Wow. We just sent a little Victorian baby cradle to Ireland, which will be a movie prop there. And uh, when we started, we've always had some harps around because harps are our mascots. My wife and I started the store, and she's a harpist. And our name is Melchert, which you always have to spell, but harp, you don't have to spell. (laughs) So it's worked out pretty well. I was going to actually ask where Harp Gallery came from, so there you have it. That's wonderful. What has been maybe one of your favorite things to bring back to life? Anything that comes to mind for for each of you? Well, I think... What was most spectacular to me was a Wooten desk, and my father here could talk about that. It, we had a Wooten desk is an entire office. It swings open. It's like a little room. It's like a roll-top desk with wings and, you know, cubbies and stuff. Uh, Queen Victoria had one. There's one in the Smithsonian Institution. And uh, we got a call from Pawn Stars in Las Vegas that uh, they'd like to have it on their show. So we did ship it out there, and we went out there, and uh, I, I told them, well, you know, we'll, you, you can ship it out and stuff, but you have to send it back if you don't buy it. I don't care if you buy it or not. But uh, Rick did buy it on the show, and so he kept it. But it was really fun. They're, uh, you know, just kind of an amazing, they were 1870s. It was really the contents of your laptop, but in a piece of furniture. A piece of furniture. Man, oh my goodness. What about you? Anything else that comes to mind of things that were restored over the years? Yeah, I think we have had a couple of sculptures come through that are really spectacular bronze figurines of chariot riders. And just to see our metal workers dig deep and get all that finish off and bring them back to life is is amazing. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about your team. Uh, 15 specialized restoration experts. Uh, Brag on them a little bit. <laughs> well, these guys really just are artists is what they are. They really care about the end product and they can be very hard to rush through anything because they, you know, it's it's their work that they're representing. So, like I said, they come from all sorts of different backgrounds, from aircraft restoration, art school, and even just carpentry and cabinet shops. But often, they're people who don't fit well into general production environments and have a lot of pride in in their everyday activity. They're truly artisans, and uh, some of them have been with us 25 or 30 years. Because it's very, this very satisfying work to bring things back, the way bring things back to the way they were intended to be by their makers. Well, one of the reasons why you're moving to this new space is to give those artisans uh, room to work, room to work and room to get their artwork uh, completed. So let's talk again about this new space. And you've got kind of a grand opening happening this week. That's right. So our spectacular new place in Kakana has fountains. It has marble staircases. It's got sculptures on the outsides. And it's got beautiful marble offices, bathrooms coated in stone. And it's just a spectacular space. We're moving there on August 25th, and we're going to be open to the public from 12 to 7. And at 4 p.m., we'll be joined by the local chambers of commerce, both Fox Cities and the Heart of the Valley, for a ribbon-cutting event with food and drinks and networking for everybody. So if you're available, be sure to drop through. 
Yeah, John's going to lead tours of the workshops, which normally the insurance company doesn't like, but, <laughs> but we're taking people through because it's, it's fascinating yeah. to see the spaces and the steps of restoration that take place. Wow, and I'm sure there will be some furniture on display and artwork and things, too. We have about 1,000 pieces ready to be displayed in our new gallery. Wow. Some of them will be the first time they're open to the public, and we've been pocketing them for a while to make sure it's a spectacular event. Wow. So are you the place to call if someone says, I'm looking for blank, I'm looking for something? If someone is curious to find something, can they call Harf Gallery and, and you can start the search? Absolutely. Just the other week, we had a gentleman in Australia who was really looking for a specific set of office furniture. And we found a couple of the pieces for him so far and we'll let him know when we'll get the rest to him. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, um, I've really enjoyed learning more about Harp Gallery. Anything else to add, Ken, as you celebrate uh, 37 well, years in this new space? Well, we're continuing to be open seven days a week, so, <laughs> and we're right on Highway 41. And, we're, and we'd love to have people stop in. I mean, I don't care if people buy things, but if people come in, they get inspiration for their own decorating, their own ideas, using their own family heirlooms. And we just love to have people stop by. It feels. I feel like walking in would be like walking into a museum in, in, in some at some days. At some we've, and we've a lot of our pieces are in museums. Wow! Wow! <laughs> and historic homes. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to meet you both, and uh, congratulations on the new space and 37 years here in the Fox Valley. Again, that grand opening noon to seven on Thursday, and the location, of course. It's at 2101 West Progress Way. And if you can't make it there, every single one of our pieces has over 30 photos online that you can check out. And with the measurements and shipping costs and everything. So be sure to check that out. It's harpgallery.com. Wonderful. John and Ken, and Ken Melcher, thank you so much for being here today. It's been great to talk with you both. Thank you. Thank right. you. We'll take a short break. I'll let you know what we're working on for your Wednesday edition. Stick with us. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.